I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Empire. Welcome to Inside the Cap. I'm your host, Joel Corey. You can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That is C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And also have a regular CBSSports.com um, column called Agents Take on NFL Salary Cap and Contract Matters. Uh, this week we're going to be looking at the 2018 first-round picks that are now eligible for contract extensions, mainly the quarterbacks and the prospects of these quarterbacks getting new deals. Since the uh, Ricky Wade scale was implemented in 2011, the first class, 2011, was um, eligible for new deals in 2014 because you need to have played three years as a drafted player to sign a new deal. On average, a little over three players sign extensions, don't play their fourth year under their rookie contract. Last year, we had six, which was um, a high watermark. Six first-round picks did not play that fourth year on the rookie deal, the ones that had the options exercised. Um, this year, we've had two guys sign, two offensive linemen. First, Colton Miller, even before the option was exercised, signed a three-year, $54.015 million extension with the Raiders, averaging $18.05 million per year. Then Frank Ragno became the highest-paid center in the NFL uh, when the Lions signed him to a four-year extension, averaging slightly over $13.7 million per year. So if you look at the quarterbacks, there are five quarterbacks taken in 2018. Two of them, no shot for an extension. Josh Rosen's just battling for a roster spot with the 49ers. The Sam Darnold was traded from the Jets to Carolina Panthers. They picked up his fifth-year option, but no chance that he's getting an extension. That leaves three guys, Josh Allen from the Bills, Lamar Jackson from the um, Baltimore Ravens, and Baker Mayfield, the first overall pick in 2018 for the Cleveland Browns. Now, the one good thing for all three guys is these teams have paid someone at this juncture. Last year, all three guys um, paid players. The Browns made Miles Garrett, at the time, the highest-paid non-quarterback in NFL history at $25 million per year um, last July. Uh, Tredavious White uh, briefly became the highest-paid cornerback by the Bills um, in early September. And Marlon Humphrey, with the Ravens, um, signed a deal making the second-highest-paid cornerback uh, ahead of Tredavious White because Jalen Ramsey hit the $20 million per year mark. In early September, around the first couple of weeks in the regular season. So, good thing is for these three guys that their teams have demonstrated that they are willing to do a deal in this time frame. Now, um, let's take a specific look 
at these guys. First, let's go with um, Josh Allen. Um, Josh Allen has two years left on his contract. Um, scheduled to make uh, a little over 3.5 this year. Then they picked up his option for 23.016 million. That's the same option price uh, for Lamar Jackson because they both made a Pro Bowl. So the fifth-year option in 2022 will be 23.016 million for both of those guys. For Baker Mayfield, it's going to be 18.858 million because he did not. Uh, make a Pro Bowl because now the um, option years are based on performance and not uh, specifically where you were drafted. So um, Allen's salary this year is broken down into where he's got a little over 2.6 million in the third day training camp roster bonus. So um, training camp is supposed to begin for most teams on the 27th of July. So Ideal timing, if they're going to do an extension, to me, would be where you could take the training camp roster bonus and be able to convert it into signing bonus and prorate it. Once you get past the third day of training camp, that's a sunk cost. and You can't do anything about it. So, to me, that would be ideal timing to get a deal done. Um, various times this offseason, both GM um, Brandon Bean and Allen have expressed an interest in getting a deal done, but neither one of them seems to be have any urgency to get a deal done. They both kind of have an attitude. We get something done, we get something done. If we don't, we don't. Um, so they had White done um, in September, but as I said, just said, the timing would be better for Buffalo if you uh, get the deal done Um before that training camp roster bonus can't be prorated um, anymore. Now, there was a move a couple of weeks ago which prompted some speculation um, about the Bills potentially making a trade made for Zach Ertz. But to me, it meant more... This is along the lines of maybe they're clearing up space for uh, the extension for Josh Allen. Um, A couple of weeks ago... Um, Stefan Diggs um, did a salary conversion to clear cap room with the restructure. So he um, freed up a little over $7.8 million of cap space. Now, my belief is that it would be more for the Allen extension. And the reason why you want to do an Allen extension is proactive. the teams which are most proactive identify their core players, sign them early, and they have a chance of better cap planning. And also, usually get them at a cheaper rate. You better make sure you're doing the right players. Now, one thing for we saw a couple of weeks ago, or even a little bit longer that, is that Brandon Beam was lamenting about cap planning for next year. That because he didn't know stadium capacity, that was an unknown variable at the time. That, that was hard to really plan where the cap was going to be. That... He was pegging it between 195 and 200 million next year for projections. Since that time, the NFL and NFLPA have agreed to a salary cap floor. I mean, ceiling, I should say, salary cap ceiling, something that's never happened before, of 208.2 million. So, if we get to the 208.2 million, that's a 14.1 percent increase over where we are right now at 182.5 million. And obviously, they're setting a 
ceiling because they got to pay back some of the uh, money from the losses uh, from the pandemic in 2020, where they set a salary cap floor last year to keep the cap from dropping, taking all the losses in one year. Had they not done that, the um, losses, the salary cap might have been in the low 160s, which would have been, it's hard enough for teams to deal with the cap dropping 15.7 million, but taking it back that far down was something nobody wanted. So 30 teams now have been given clearance for full stadium capacity. So Bean's projection is probably a little low. But that being said, Allen had a breakout season in 2021. Second in MVP voting to Aaron Rodgers. Set franchise records. 4,544 passing yards. 37 TDs. Also rushed for uh, 8 TDs. Um, Bills won the AFC East at a 13-3 record. Um, he also became the second player to ever have 4,000 passing yards, 30 TDs, and 5 rushing touchdowns um, in a season. Steve Young did that back in 1998. Um, quantum leap in some statistics for um, Allen. He was last in completion percentage among um, qualified passers in 2019. Completed 69.2% of his passes, fourth. His fifth in passing yards, Last year, um, 37, 37 TDs, fifth, only through 10 interceptions, through nine the year before, fourth in passer rating, um, 102.107.2 passer rating. Now, that may be attributed, uh, at least partially, to the arrival of Stephon Diggs. You go out and get a quarterback, a real number one receiver, and look what happens. So if I'm the Bills, <laughs> that's going to be something <laughs> – which I bring up in a negotiation. So where, where would a deal like this probably end up? Well, I'm going to take the Patrick Mahomes deal out of the equation, the 10-year extension he signed for $450 million, um, which maxes out at $475 million over the 10-year extension, because I don't really see anyone following um, that model. You didn't see Deshaun Watson follow that model when he did an extension right before the uh, – Regular season started um, last year with the Texans. You didn't see Dak Prescott do it um, when he signed his deal to avoid a second franchise tag in March with the Cowboys. They both went the conventional route of four-year deals. So I'm expecting and anticipating that's where Allen's going to go. Now, that $45 million per year deal for Mahomes, that's going to be an anomaly outlier, um, at least to me, until we see another quarterback do a lengthy deal like that. And the guarantee mechanisms in it where the huge roster bonuses were in some years, the roster bonus becomes guaranteed two years in advance and some one year in advance. I don't know if you're going to get teams to want to commit to that structure as well as players wanting to basically buy out the, have a deal buy out the rest of their career. When we have the new TV deals in place for 11 years, and I think it was $13 billion. Over the uh, over the 11 year period, so we know salaries are going to grow dramatically over time. So at some point, that Mahomes deal becomes outdated. So the con- conventional wisdom has been you want to get as many bites of the apple as possible. So that's what I expect um, Allen to do. Now he's probably going to be looking at that um, 
Dak Prescott deal is a real data point for him at the $40 million per year. Prescott also set a record in signing bonus, a $66 million signing bonus. I don't really see that happening in this case. Um, and also has the most money fully guaranteed at signing, $95 million. That's the mark that I think Allen should probably look to top more than the signing bonus, and also the $40 million per year. In Buffalo with uh, Tredavious White, I think he kind of, the timing was a little bit off for him. He should have waited for Jalen Ramsey, and instead of being at $17.25 million per year on the average, he might have been close to 20 if he'd waited for Ramsey to go first. But he didn't. So, type of increase he got um, over um, where the market was. The highest paid corner at the time was Darius Slay. And that was it. Shade under $17 million. Um, so, I don't think the Bills are going to be looking to do an extension for giving him much more than like the 3.4% increase um, over what... Um, White guy, and if you do that, that's going to put um, Allen at about 41.25 million per year, between 41 and 41.5. Put it that way, where it would come in on the average. And say he's going to do a four year extension now, where it's really going to come into play to me is on the structure because they gave Tredavious White a very front loaded structure, so I would expect. Josh Allen to want a similar structure because he's the quarterback and you got White as the cornerback. He's going to be thinking, I should get the best structure on the team. And when I was an agent, structure meant everything to me in a contract um, just because NFL contracts aren't fully guaranteed. So the more front-loaded I could get the deal, the more money fully guaranteed at signing or vesting early, um, the better. Now, this white deal was pretty strong in terms of the structure for a player. And I used to look at percentages of new money because the negotiation is over the new money. How He's got two years left on his contract. Um, and over those two years, he's supposed to make $26,554,595. So the negotiation is going to be how many new years and how much money above what he already has on the contract, and then how that money gets allocated over what should be six contract years. He's already got two, adding four, so over six. So how does that money get allocated? So um, White had two years left, did, a, did an extension for four years. He got 24.5% of his new money through last year, and then he's got 361 which will be through this year, before the first new year kicks in. Through the first new year, he's at 52%. He's at about two-thirds after the second new year. He's at slightly under 82 after the third new year. So if I'm Allen, I'm looking at that type of structure. Now, the Bills probably aren't going to want to do something that strong because that's, as far as contracts go, that's insanely front-loaded. So really... What you're probably going to see in this deal is, one, the Bills have used a signing option bonus structure um, recently. They did it with Deion Dawkins and the extension they did of him last year, and they also did it with Davies White. So I expect it to be a signing and option bonus structure. And what that will be is there will be an option bonus 
um, for 2022. We're like between the first and five days of the 2022 league year. They'll have um, to make a big payment to pick up the 2026 year contract year. That's the option year. And to ensure that the payment is made, what they've done with White and um, Dawkins' deals is they've had a big second-year salary, which is fully guaranteed, that from a cap standpoint, you couldn't handle. And when you exercise the option, the base salary will reduce by the option amount. So that ensures that the option gets exercised. Now, the reason you want the option bonus is because option bonuses are like signing bonuses. They get prorated over the life of a contract up to maximum five years. Problem is, if you make a mistake with uh, someone of this structure, you have a ton of proration. That's the reason why the Eagles have $33.8 million in dead money for Carson Wentz, because they use the signing bonus, option bonus structure, where he had a $30 million option bonus, and they trade him after exercising the option, so they've got proration from like a signing bonus of slightly under $17 million, plus all the proration from the um, roster bonus. That's why he's got such huge dead money more than any other player in NFL history, not even close. The previous record was like 21.8 by Brandon Cooks with the Rams last year. So that's the pitfall of this type of structure. So what I expect is maybe you're going to have Allen end up having $30 million of new money added to this year. This is what I could see, which would be a structure that would work. $30 million of new money through this year. And what you're probably going to see in this deal is the cash through 2021, 22, and 2023 be fully guaranteed at signing. And then the cash in 2020 in the fourth year, uh, which would be 2024, is going to vest early. It's probably going to vest in 2022, no later than 2023. Um, So, that's kind of how I envision it going structurally. And the Bills, one of the reasons why they will be receptive to the option bonus is right now they've got 56 players under contract for 2022. And they've got 200 and a little over $206.5 million of cap commitment. So even if you get to 208 and the cap goes to the ceiling, 208.2, man, they're pretty capped out. And this is just in the top 51 are counting, not all 56. So they'll want to use the option bonus structure because they should be able to get some cap relief from where the option year would be, the 23.016 million. So let's say they could get the cap number down into the $15 million per year range going this structure. Then they're going to pick up 7, 8, million of cap relief doing it the structure. But you'd probably have like about 130 million fully guaranteed because your cash through the first four years would be that. So that's kind of how I see that deal going. Um, if things which happened with Tredavious White are any indication of what would happen with the Josh Allen deal. Um, but in any event, I think he's going to be over $40 million per year. I think Dak Prescott set the floor for him. Um, and let's see if they get a deal done this year. Um, if they wait, 
and he does what he did in 2020 just uh, proves that 2020 was an anomaly and this is another strong year as MVP candidate, then maybe he's over the $45 million mark of um, Patrick Mahomes at that time. And if you wait, you pay him more, but you got more flexibility for next year because you got the 23.016 million and you could get more cap room by waiting because you could have a lot more to play with in terms of a signing bonus and dropping his um, base salary down to his league minimum. You wouldn't have proration coming in from doing a deal this year from any signing bonus you give him. So um, that's the drawback of waiting. Um, If he is who we think he is, it's going to cost you more, but we'll see if they get the deal done this year. And if they do, whether it's going to be before the third day of training camp when he's got that um, roster bonus, uh, which comes due. Because once you uh, let that date pass, as I said earlier, you no longer can use the roster bonus, which is um, a little over $2.6 million to get cap relief and prorate. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What's up? It's Mike Jones from the Football Jones Podcast. I know you're enjoying your time with Inside the Cap, but once you're done, I want to invite you to come over and check out my podcast. Each week, we take a deep dive into some of the most pressing topics around the NFL. High-profile guests from the coach, player, and front office ranks, as well as the top league insiders. Check out the Football Jones Podcast, another fine product brought to you by Empire Media. There are some different dynamics in a Lamar Jackson negotiation than there are in practically any other player, and particularly Josh Allen's case, because Lamar Jackson hasn't had an agent at all, and to my knowledge, doesn't have any experienced advisor working with him. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, but I don't know who that may or may not be. Now, he did the rookie contract without an agent, which a lot easier to do because the rookie wage scale, when it was implemented in 2011, took a lot of the nuances and complications of negotiating the contract out of the way. That basically you could take a reasonably intelligent preteen, teenager, and they could have gotten the same deal as a seasoned agent particularly at the back of the first round. Because once you explain how the system works, the deal kind of is what it is based on where you're drafted. And he was the last pick in the first round. So how hard was that How hard was that deal going to be? Now, veteran contract, far more complicated. We have seen some players without a traditional agent, Bobby Wagner, Larry Tunsil, DeAndre Hopkins, do just fine. Get very good deals in their own right. Um, I know there was a use of advisor 
in those cases um, or team of advisors. Now, the team probably doesn't want to have to deal with this situation, not having an agent, for a couple of reasons. That it's harder to have direct and blunt conversations without an agent being a filter or a buffer. So it could create a little bit of acrimony potentially if we'll say the Ravens are telling Lamar Jackson, you know what? You just aren't the same pocket passer as Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, or the other higher paid uh, quarterbacks in the league. Um, Also, there should be a sensitivity from the Ravens if there is no advisor uh, potentially taking advantage of Lamar Jackson. So that may act to keep them honest, so to speak, where they're not just like, hey, let's get the best deal possible. Um, And if we can exploit an information advantage or negotiating experience advantage, we will. That may be in the back of the mind because if they ever do a deal for Lamar Jackson where it is just so inequitable, then they're going to get scrutinized for that. He will also, it'll be like, see, that's why I need an agent if that happened. But I suspect that that's going to be a consideration as well. Um, Eric DaCosta has previously said, the Ravens GM, that talks are ongoing. That was... um, in April, around the time of the draft. And in late May, um, Jackson said he wanted to be a Raven for life. Well, a lot of players say that. Um, Owners say players are going to be on their team for life. I do believe Arthur Blank at one time said Julio Jones is going to be a Falcon for life when he's a Tennessee Titan. So we take all that I want to be here for life stuff, whether it comes from a player or a team for a grain of salt. Anyway, Mar Jackson's supposed to make uh, about $1.78 million uh, this year. The uh, cap number slightly over $3 million. He's got the options, as I said earlier, $23.016 million for 2022. Um, now, if I'm the uh, Ravens, I'm kind of looking at this Deshaun Watson structure as kind of a model. We don't have the consideration of the training camp roster bonus because all of uh, Lamar's money is in base salary. And in Deshaun's case, he got a $27 million signing bonus um, for for his deal. Um, and they kept the second year cap number low. That The cap number is $15.94 million. Um, so I'd want to kind of go that route. And then the, then the cap numbers and cash start going up that this is before any potential Deshaun Watson trade because he's conventional wisdom is he's never playing another down in in Houston. The, the cap number balloons to $40.4 million next year. Then it's 42.4. Then it starts going down a little bit to 37.4, then 32 in the last year because there's no bonus proration associated with the sixth year because, say, he had two years left, four-year extension. So... I would think that they want to go along those lines where you've got that type of model or structure. Um, Whereas if I'm Lamar Jackson, what he should be doing is looking at the composite structure. And this is if we're talking four-year extension. Because he shouldn't want to do 
the Patrick Mahomes thing. One, if I'm the Ravens, I don't want to do it with him with the roster bonuses because of how much he runs. That he's the best running quarterback in NFL history. <laughs> um, so he hasn't taken any big shots yet, but most guys can't sustain that over time. Even Michael Vick, by the time he uh, gotten out of prison and played for Andy Reid in Philadelphia, had become more pocket-oriented, more of a pocket passer than the dual threat he was in his earlier days. Randall Cunningham made that transition. Um, when he, by the time he's in Minnesota, he's not running around like he did early on. Steve Young, there were some uh, thoughts people toyed maybe he should be a running back when he was uh, not having very much success in, in Tampa. He be he still had the threat to run throughout his career at the 49ers, but he wasn't running like he was. Steve McNair ran a lot early in his career. And by the time McNair was at the tail end of his career, or was like midway through his Titans career, and then with the Ravens, he wasn't running around either. So the concern with the long deal, like Mahomes would be, could he survive it? Now, the only way I would do that deal is if it's your your traditional long deal where you don't have the roster bonuses vesting early where it ensures that he's on the team um, a year earlier uh, or vest early so it ensures he's on that team or you have to basically buy him out. Um, maybe if I would just the Ravens, I'd do that early on and then have unsecured roster bonuses or it's going to be like the Tyron Smith lifetime contract he signed after his third year where he gave up eight new years. So it's 10 total years. So it have to be something like that if I'm going to be um, the Ravens and be interested in that. So that's where the whole not having an agent if there isn't an advisor could come into play. Um, so I'd really be looking if I'm Lamar at a on a four-year extension, a composite of what the cash flow percentages have been for the other quarterbacks who've signed either four new years or four, giving up uh, a four-year deal straight out like Dak Prescott. And if you look at something like that, um, after the first new year, they basically have 44% of their money, and then after year two, 61% of the new money, after year three, slightly over 80. Deshaun Watson's percentages were slightly better for the team. He's like at 35-3 after the first new year. 59 after year two, slightly under um, 80% after year three. So I would want it to be along those lines. And at the same time, I don't think you're going to get Lamar Jackson for anything less than Deshaun Watson. And the easiest thing for him to do would be to slow play it and see if Josh Allen gets done before those training camp roster bonuses kick in um, on the third day of training camp and then go from there and let that really be the guide for his deal. If you, to illustrate the, where that would be structurally, um, if you went the composite route instead of the Deshaun Watson um, route in terms of the structure, then you're probably going to be about $12 million up compared to where, um, well, actually 13 dollars through the first new year, 
compared to a Watson is if you're talking $39 million per year, if he got that. The same $156 million over four years, you'd be $3.25 million up through the second year, and you'd just be a million dollars up through the third year. So it would affect earlier rather than later. Um, Ravens have used that signing option bonus structure. They did it with Ronnie Stanley and Marlon Humphrey last year. If they went the Rotson route, they wouldn't need to do it because the cap number next year would be artificially low. And then they could always convert base salary into signing bonus in uh, 2023 if necessary because teams typically get automatic conversion rights. Um, One thing which I would really wouldn't be surprised if they got a fifth year, honestly, because the Ravens drove a hard bargain with Ronnie Stanley, who had represented by Rock Nation. That deal came in under where I thought it would. Um, he got the most guaranteed money for an offensive lineman in NFL history, slightly over $63 million. At the time, the biggest signing bonus, um, which was later eclipsed by David Bakhtiari. But I thought that deal would, the base value would be over $20 million per year because Laramie Tunsil's at 22 and Tunsil signed for three new years. He gave up five. So, length of contract, it may be not that long Mahomes thing. Every, the trend has been four new years. Uh, Matt Ryan, when he became the first $30 million per year quarterback in the NFL um, in 2000, I believe that was 18. Um, yeah, it was 18. Gave up five new years. Everybody else has been four new years who's gotten deals at the top of the market. So it wouldn't surprise me if they got a fifth year out of um, Lamar Jackson. And one thing that he should bring up, if the Ravens are going to make an issue of him not being a pocket passer, is that the other guys are. Is that I remember a long time ago, uh, Michael Vick was not an accomplished pocket passer. I think Lamar Jackson's further along than Vick was when he signed his big contract with the Falcons. That deal made him the second highest paid player in the NFL behind Peyton Manning back in the end of the 2004 season. Um, So that would be something that he should point to. Also the fact that I know Joe Flacco won the Super Bowl, but Joe Flacco was a slightly above average quarterback who just happened to get hot at the right time. Played like a cross between Tom Brady, Joe Montana, and Aaron Rodgers for the playoffs in 2012, won a Super Bowl, and was able to parlay that into being the highest-paid player um, in the league. Um, I'd imagine there is some sensitivity on the Ravens' part because that Flacco never came close to living up to that contract, and because of using the signing bonus and two option bonuses, which is rarely done, the cap number was so prohibitive going into the fourth year, they had to give him another deal uh, to lower the cap number, three-year extension, which, again, made him the highest-paid player in the league um, over Aaron Rodgers at that time. I think that was in 2016. There may be a little sensitivity on the Ravens about wanting to go all out for Lamar Jackson because of Joe Flacco. He's not Joe Flacco. Um, he's won an MVP in 2019. They seem like they've improved their weapons by drafting uh, Rashad Bateman and getting Sammy Watkins. Um, still haven't gotten them the equivalent of what Josh Allen has and Stephon Diggs, but there's a possibility this deal gets done 
during the offseason as well, and I can't see it being below um, Deshaun Watson's $39 million per year. It's probably going to be in the $40 million range, Dak Prescott or above um, as well. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey there, it's John Kime with the John Kime Report Podcast. I'm glad you're enjoying the Inside the Cap Podcast with Joel Corey. When you're done, I invite you to listen to my podcast. Twice a week, my guests and I discuss the Washington football team and the NFL. The show features numerous NFL insiders, former and current players and executives, and taps into the insight gained in my 25-plus years covering this franchise. Check out the John Kime Report, another fine product offered by Empire Media. Now, last but not necessarily least today is 2018 first overall pick uh, Baker Mayfield. Uh, the Browns seem to be all in um, on May- Mayfield, and it are sold that he is the QB of the future that can take them to the promised land. Um, back in early May, when there were all these hypothetical potential trades for um, Aaron Rodgers, um, the Browns were mentioned as one of the teams, and there are reports that there's no interest in um, trading for Aaron Rodgers because of what Mayfield's done. Um, Seemed to turn a corner during the second part of the 2020 season last year. Um, He had a sophomore slump in 2019, which weighs questions of whether he was the guy. He had 21 interceptions in 2019, which was second only to Jameis Winston's um, 30. Yeah, the second lowest completion percentage at 59.5% among um, qualified passers. Second lowest uh, QB rating, passer rating among qualified passers. And he was a different quarterback over the second half of the year than he was in the first. Um, threw for over 2,000 yards, 2,049 yards. Browns went 6-2. and two. He completed essentially 64% of his passes. Had 100.1 passing rating passer rating, and cut down on the turnovers. 11 touchdowns and one interception, last eight games of the regular season. Browns won a playoff game, had a shot at um, beating the uh, Chiefs in the divisional playoff uh, round. I don't know if it's coincidence or not, but second half of the year, he excelled without Odell Beckham Jr., um, who tore his ACL in the seventh game. I don't know if he was trying to force feed Beckham or not, and that attributed to part of it or is just natural growth. But there are some people who still kind of view Baker as a product of the system. The only thing that matters is whether the Browns view him as a product of the system. And part of that, and I'm sure this will come up in negotiation, is according to Pro Football Focus, he's got the best offensive line in the NFL According to Pro Football Focus, he's got the best running game in the NFL with um, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Now, speaking of Nick Chubb, the question is, is Mayfield going to be a priority this offseason? Um, because you got two guys who are important cogs, one on the offensive line, Wyatt Teller, the guard, 
right guard. And Nick Chubb, their primary ball carrier, who are in contract years. So do you make them the priority over Mayfield? They did um, Miles Garrett last year, their first-round pick in 2017 early. And if they'd waited, they'd be paying him more than Joey Bosa. <laughs> um, Bosa, a couple weeks later, signed for $27 million per year. You're probably paying Miles Garrett $28 million per year if you wait or, or more. So smart move to get him done sooner rather than later. Uh, cap room's not an issue for the Browns, at least this year, because they have been judicious in spending cap room. They've gone out in 2019, were aggressive in free agency in signing Jack Conklin. Um, to play right tackle, and Austin Hooper uh, to be a tight end. But at the same time, still, we're able to carry over more cap room than anybody else in the NFL from the 2019-2020 league year to now. They carried over essentially $30.4 million of cap room, um, which gives them a higher adjusted cap than most teams. Their adjusted cap is um, $2,211.1 million. Um, when the league-wide cap is 182, it is actually the highest adjusted cap. So they're sitting on a $20 million of cap room right now. So they can extend all three of those guys if they want to and still be okay in terms of a cap standpoint. Um, they, they're in such good cap shape that if they do decide to do Baker Mayfield, they can absorb his training camp roster bonus better than the um, Bills can absorb Josh Allen's. Um, he's got a nearly $4.2 million training camp roster bonus, fifth day of the league year. It's uh, specifically $4,186,770. They can just leave that as is and then go ahead and do the deal and be fine um, if they if they uh, chose to do so. Um, if I'm Baker Mayfield and there's any reluctance or hesitancy where they're bringing up and the Browns are bringing up, yeah, we want to structurally – kind of uh, do something a little bit different or we're not going to be as committed because of the Carson Wentz, Jared Goff deals. And from what I understand, the Browns don't really view those as cautionary tales but are aware of them. But if they're trying to keep the structure, make it a little more favorable than the traditional deal or suppress the average, keeping those two deals in mind where they're kind of ha- trying to have their cake and eat it too. I'm not doing a deal from Baker Mayfield. Russell Wilson's at $35 million per year, and that was two years ago. And if I think Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen are going to be $40 million per year or more, if I'm Baker Mayfield and his people, I'm like, hey, you got to pay me in that same neighborhood. You at least got to get me to Deshaun Watson or close to it. Otherwise, we can wait. But at the same time, if I'm the Browns, i probably focus on Teller and Chubb and put Mayfield on the back burner for now, I'd probably take the temperature to see what they were looking at. And if I thought I could get a deal done, which benefited me sooner rather than later, I'd do it. If not, if he wants that type of money with the first digit in the averages of four, I'm like, yeah, we may pay that to you, but not right now. You go out and you do start doing what you did the second half of last year in the playoffs. We'll pay it. But, I have some hesitancy about doing it right now. One, I'd want to see how he performs with Odell Beckham Jr. in the fold. If it's the same as it was first half of the year, then I'm probably going to pump the brakes on it. Maybe I'm looking to move uh, Odell, particularly if we're not 
performing the way we think we are because the Browns are, should be one of the favorites to get out of the AFC with the big leap they took last year. He's proven that 2020, the second half of the year, is who he actually is. Yeah, I'm going to approach him and try to get a deal done during the season. Kind of like the Broncos did with Garrett Bowles. They had more urgency because they didn't pick up the fifth-year option. But then I want to want to get it done during the season and not have to worry about it going in the offseason and not let him finish playing on the trajectory it seemed like he's going because it will end up costing you more that way, and then I'll pay him um, in that $40 million per year neighborhood. That's what I would do. Um, it remains to be seen the pecking order the Browns are going to have uh, for their core players, uh, Wyatt Teller, Nick Chubb, and Baker Mayfield. But they do seem to be sold on the fact that Baker Mayfield is the guy, so it's uh, probably just a matter of time when Mayfield gets an extension. And there's no guarantee that any of these guys get an extension this offseason. We've had two first-round picks get extensions this year from the 2018 draft class. The average has been three. In some years, it's been none. The 2014 draft class, which had Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald, nobody sign extension after three years. They all played the fourth year and got deals going into the contract year, the option year. So if I had to guess, I would think Allen definitely gets done, um, probably for Lamar Jackson, and I'll call Baker Mayfield a 50-50 proposition. Well, that's uh, going to be this week's Inside the Cap. Um, as I said before, you can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That is C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And also, I have my regular agent's take column at cbssports.com on salary cap and contract matters. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here next time. Goodbye. <laughs>